0: A stranded son, dedicated parents, and a tortured paleontologist collide on an aisle full of horrors. It's Jurassic Park 3. Mafia, wake up, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. you could mistake one island for another yes apparently you can Alex. <laughs> welcome back to the monster versus men podcast the bargain basement of the monster podcasting airwaves we are indeed trying to stay alive while discussing jurassic park 3 this week joining me is the glasses in the dung himself alex
1: and as always the five-year-old rambo eric
0: Ooh, hey, Eric is a great name. That's what I have to say about that. (laughs) Uh, So, Alex, were you a dinosaur kid?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, these movies were my jam. Um, And that's why I part, I mean, that's a big portion of why I even got into Godzilla just dinosaurs. There's also, I had so many dinosaur things and toys and everything as a kid. I'm sure. Were you?
0: Yeah, I was, uh, I wasn't very intelligent. (laughs) I wasn't intelligent with dinosaurs. (laughs) I I wasn't like the type that remembered all the facts and the names about all the dinosaurs, you know? Uh, but I, I, I did absolutely love dinosaurs. Um, and what's been fun recently is just Theo has been really getting into it. Uh, so I'm introducing the kids to camp Cretaceous. We're having a good time with that, Alex. You'll We're be good. pleased to hear. And, uh, the Theo and I watched the first, so we watched part for the theometer. We watched the scene, but then that caused him to actually want to watch the whole thing. So we started it tonight and we'll probably finish it tomorrow night. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for finishing Jurassic Park with him. Then I think we'll probably move to Jurassic World um, and just show him uh, kind of the parallels there. I think he'll enjoy that um, and that, the tie-ins to Kent Cretaceous. So that's that's probably what we'll do.
1: Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Man. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited for you, Eric. Uh, oh, you're yeah. doing what I want to do, but I can't yet. <laughs> Not yet.
0: Yeah. Well... Theo is he's just grown reluctant and yeah I don't know he's he's already cynical of his parents' taste sometimes, but mm. I could see in his eye I could see in his eye uh the wonder in while watching Jurassic park, so that was cool. I, I was really <laughs> excited to see that. did you have a favorite monster or a favorite dinosaur growing up Alex? Oh. you still have a favorite dinosaur
1: yeah I mean it's pretty obvious, I think probably yeah? for most kids. It was the T Rex for sure. I mean, it's pretty. Sense. It's pretty basic, but you know that's the that's the most terrifying one. Of course, that's mm-hmm. going to be my favorite, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> my my favorite for whatever reason was the Triceratops. I I don't know why.
1: Um, that's Gwen's favorite.
0: Really? Yeah. yeah, I like the Triceratops a lot. They're really cool.
1: I like, uh, I always like the meat Eaters, So if it if it could rip you in half and all that, that's yeah, what I was
0: about. That would. Yeah, that's a bonus. That's a bonus for sure. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, I used to have a cool Triceratops figure, and I think that probably had a lot to do with it, you know? So mm. that helps. That would do
1: it. That would do it. Yep. But yeah, man, uh, big big dinosaur kid now. I'm not like a lot of these people on Twitter, right? That are like, yes. I know all the different names for all the different flying dinosaurs. Oh, they're not technically dinosaurs. They're birds. Right. no, you know I'm not one of these nerds as we as we say <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just kidding You're absolutely not a nerd Alex that's right you have that's no right. nerdy tendencies uh, whatsoever uh, nerd. you can't get riled up by anything nerdy ever That's right that's right.
1: <laughs> have you heard how little I care about Star Wars?
0: Oh yeah yeah exactly. but just
1: don't I never talked about it not one time
0: Never talked about it have no emotions towards it either way
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: All right, Alex. I think we should jump in before we let our emotions get the best of us. You ready for Jurassic Park 3? I am. While the Lost World Jurassic Park places focus on Malcolm, Jurassic 3 returns to the first main protagonist, Dr. Alan Grant. The script, an original not adapted from a prior novel, returns to Isle Sorna to rescue a stranded teenager epically named Eric, I should say. As far as tone, the Lost World brought the camp – and the original stayed a bit more serious, but how about this one? Did it strike a balance, lean one way or another, or have a tone completely of its own?
1: Yeah, I mean, actually, for me, this one actually nails its tone pretty well. Uh, I, I don't think it leans into camp at all, really. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah, there's two moments maybe in particular that maybe lean to the camp parachute included, and. Uh, But minus those moments, uh, this entire movie, I feel like, leans a lot more into the tense moments of, like, the more tense moments of Lost World and Jurassic Park. Like, yes, we do get more comedic moments, probably, uh, using the Spinosaurus especially, than we do using dinosaurs in the previous two films. Um, But I, I think all this actually really works in the film's favor. We've been in this setting before. We've been in it twice before. We don't need to waste time in the movie setting up the island and yada, yada, yada. I don't need another photographer going out and taking pictures. And then we slowly learn the lessons of Jurassic Park all over again. We know the lessons of Jurassic Park again. And we're just here with some new characters. And this leads me to one of the reasons why I actually think the movie works so cohesively for me is that it's got a really brisk runtime. You know, if there is a change in tone, and there is a couple times, it's pretty brief, honestly. And so I really don't have much of a problem with it because anything I do have like kind of irks me a little bit, it's gone in a flash and we're on to something else, which I really appreciate about this Ooh. movie. Now, what yeah. about you though, Eric?
0: Yeah. No, I I can appreciate that. I I do like the brisk runtime. This thing keeps me engaged, even if I am rolling my eyes several times throughout the the film. Uh, The tone in this one, honestly, though, feels a bit chaotic for me. Um, And I think that's reflected right from the beginning of the movie with the score. I knew this would probably be a chaotic movie just because of that score. The score by Don Davis, it takes John Williams' original themes and mashes them all together, moving from one piece to another in a matter of seconds. It's it's disorienting, but I don't think in a good way. Some of the jokes do land, others do not. Other pieces of the film definitely lean into the horror element of the movie, which I liked, but I'm not sure that the film fully committed one way or the other. It tries to strike this balance between serious dramatic moments horror and comedy trying to appease what feels like multiple audiences. That isn't to say there aren't highlights here. There are. But that mix of tone because of that we end up getting something that's more melodramatic, manic mm. and corny for me. It can't be in a way that's made for kids and families blockbuster sort of way and not an endearing sort of way. Interesting.
1: Yeah for, for me... Hmm. The only corny thing in this film, other than the parachute moment, um, is that the kid has somehow managed to live on the island for eight. Well, what do you mean the
0: himself. parachute moment? Which one?
1: So when when he when he goes to find Eric with the parachute, like he jumps and he pulls it out of his backpack. Oh yeah, and he uses it. I don't yeah. hate it, but I don't like it. But that one they wasn't did,
0: one of the corny moments for me.
1: They actually they actually <laughs> appropriately set it up for me. So I don't have a lot of a problem with it, but I I was kind of like, interesting. (laughs) It it was a a little off moment for me, but the kid surviving eight weeks on the Island by himself, totally unnecessary amount of time, by the way, like, like, they did yeah. not. Just saying that he'd be on the loan on the island for two weeks or a week would have been yeah. more than enough for me to be like, wow, this kid's something else.
0: But, but he so, couldn't have become a survivalist expert, now It's true. It's true. just a week. So and we don't know how he collected eight that. eight weeks to really gain the skills needed to be little Dino Rambo over on the island.
1: It takes at least four to five weeks to learn how to collect T-Rex P. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but... You know, that moment where he saves Dr. Grant with the smoke grenades, that is, for me, the corniest part of this film. And I was like, "Uh, I didn't die inside. But, you know, after witnessing the disaster of a gymnast scene that's in the Lost World, I feel like I can give anything a pass at this point.
0: Um See, the gymnast scene, the difference for me is that the gymnast scene is one scene. It's one moment. This one just has several of those gymnast scene types moments. Uh, really,
1: oh, I've only oh, seen, I only know of one. What's, what's another one?
0: I mean, I think most of the stuff with Eric is is one of those <laughs> gymnast scenes because of of these skills that he somehow picked up or these these little comments that he's made that he makes along the way. I don't, even though he has a great name, I just I don't find him too endearing.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have a problem with anything else about, (laughs) but, um, uh, I feel like, you know, you said that this, like maybe a kid's movie, but I'm not sure if I agree about that. You know, a raptor digging its claws into a man's back to lure people into a trap or, you know, snapping his neck later in that scene. It's not really kid's movie type stuff, but you know, I haven't seen star Wars in a while, so maybe I missed it. um, (laughs) (laughs) I I, I have to get to another aspect of the film I like, though, instead of just uh, some of that stuff. And that's the return of Alan Grant. It's so good to see this character again. And not only that, unlike Jurassic World, Grant is actually written consistently with his character in Jurassic Park 1 which I really appreciate because that was one thing I really didn't like was Malcolm just being, frankly, a different character than his first movie iteration. You know, Alan still kind of hates the dinosaurs, but what I really do like about this, like, I actually by why he flies over the island. I like that he gets kidnapped because it shows that he's not that stupid, is that he hates these dinosaurs, right? And he's in the plane and he looks out and as soon as he sees them, He's like, you know, he's having this re amazement moment. Oh yeah. Um, that's very cool. And he has, he has a line where he says something like, uh, uh, he says like, my God, I, I'd forgotten. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool moment. I think actually at the time, people watching these movies hadn't seen a Jurassic park movie in a while. So when they see this, it's like it, they probably had a very similar reaction
0: yeah.
1: to Alan. Um, I just, I just really like that. And, the moment feels perfectly in line with his character from JP one. You know, he didn't even like the idea of the park, but every time there's an opportunity to see one of these things, he was excited, Um, which I really like. And I, I can't get enough of seeing him. And again, this makes me so excited for Jurassic world dominion. Yeah. I just hope he's in it as much as I hope he is, I guess, or think he is maybe now there are other characters too. Um, who I think are varying degrees of success. But what I do appreciate about them, whether I like them or not, is that they are very quickly defined. I don't like T. Leone's Amanda Kirby. She grates on me like you wouldn't believe. Um, But I actually like Paul Kirby. I think he's actually a really charming, aloof Guy that's gotten in way over his head, just completely kind of like a likable idiot almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and Billy, I like, but he feels a little scummy at all times. Like he he pushes Grant to everything. But the analogy that we get later in the film about you know the the astronomer and the astronaut really explains yeah. the difference between those two characters, and I actually really like that moment.
0: Between which um, two characters?
1: Uh, between Grant and Billy, like, mm. you, you and you could see the different driving forces behind them and their actions and everything they do. And I actually just really that analogy actually really works for me.
0: Now, yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. I don't find Billy to be too scummy. By the way, I just think he has one scummy moment, really, which is. Just, just hiding the fact that he took the eggs. That That's the scummy moment. I actually think Grant's reaction is a bit of an overreaction to that. Which
1: he uh, realizes too, which, which I he like. he does,
0: eventually, after he thinks Billy's dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was a, that was a bit of an overreaction, I think. Because I don't think Billy is, is mean intentioned, and he was genuinely sorry for what he did.
1: Yeah, oh, I, I agree. But that's, in a time like that, And realizing that the reason, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. a a man or two has been killed because of Billy. I can understand a reaction like Grant's, even if he said something he didn't quite mean. Um, But there's another character who Billy, it turns out, is kind of the reason he got killed, uh, is Udeski. He didn't stick around for long. But the revelations about him and his team just being essentially (laughs) glorified travel guides... (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually pretty humorous, frankly, because they come off as, like, these uh, hulking mercs, and yep. then it turns out they're just completely useless people playing in a fantasy land. Oh, yeah. And you really f- you really feel for Udesky when everything happens to him because he's actually kind of likable once you realize that he's a uh, travel agent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I really like. But I will say, Eric, you make a good point about Eric, uh, I do find his character the least memorable of the group. And I don't, I don't really feel anything for him one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would agree that yeah. for me, at least, he's the least memorable.
0: Well, I want to kind of echo something that you said, because I did say that there were highlights for me. I think Alan's character is great. What I find interesting is the space in between the first movie and this one the unspoken element between Alan and Ellie. Mm. We saw in the original the dynamic between the two and Alan wrestling with coming to terms about potentially having kids in the future. What's interesting is that by the end of that first movie, we assume that through his experience with these kids that he has learned to accept them as a potential part of his life. Yeah. But honestly, and realistically, um, if we reflect on it for a second, we realize that the traumatic experience probably further turned him away From ever wanting to have kids despite being good with them. Hmm. And here's what's great about that, and, and here's what's great about the dynamic between the two is that everything's fine. There's absolutely no hostility between Ellie and Alan. And there's no chance that they would ever get back together. Ellie is satisfied in her life. Alan is satisfied in his life. Another movie would have played up this tension, I think, but thankfully. This movie didn't, and that's honestly one of my favorite aspects of the film. Mm. I love him thinking of calling her, and I love her response. It's just healthy to see a relationship that has ended that is is still um, okay, right? Yeah. We don't get that very often.
1: Yeah, I, I really appreciated that as well. And they say a lot between the two characters without leaning too hard into getting, like you said, what we might see in a movie today.
0: Yeah, this could a, have made the film even more corny for me. But these moments actually didn't feel corny. Like the moments of sentimentality between the two, I, I fully bought.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are, these are pretty impressive moments of restraint in a movie that is not... <laughs> restrained, right? right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um and, and that I I agree with you. Like these are really cool moments. Like yeah, you really wonder kind of their backstory, but it is best that it's left unsaid. Yeah. Um now another thing that I like it, about this movie is its reliance on the practical effects. Mm. You would think maybe when you jump from a director like Spielberg to uh Joe Johnston that it's easy for a director to go all all in on CGI. You know, CGI is in a pretty good spot at this point in time. And it would be doable. But what I do like is that they really lean into the practical effects, especially when it comes to the Spinosaurus. Now, while I don't think its head looks quite as good as the T-Rex, and sometimes looks almost too mechanical, I do think it's impressive how much... The body is used, and not only the initial attack, but also the final attack. We see a lot of this thing. It's arms uh, rolling the the airplane on the ground, and then when it attacks the ship, it's grabbing things. We see its feet. We see almost most of the animatronics of this thing, and it's all so... Cool. I'm just like so impressed that they really leaned into the practical effects of it, and they—it feels like they tried to upstage Spielberg. No, they didn't, but it no. feels like they tried to with the spinosaurus. Yeah. Uh, um, now, the other thing that I really like about this is that, I mean, a it shows a really strong heritage to JP, but. They also get to do some other fun things. Like like kind of like the last movie, each movie's going to introduce new dinosaurs whether real or fabricated. Um and then this one, I don't know if they're actually pterodactyls, some sort of flying dinosaur. Do don't inform me what it really is, people. I don't care. <laughs> but but these pterodactyls, that's what I want to call them. I I really like the moments that they're present. Now I could have done, again, without the parachuting to save the child who's jumping between rocks at this nest site. But again, it wasn't gymnastics, so it's not that big of a deal. But I really do like these foggy moments with these things that really it feels like there's no real good defense against because, Mm -hmm. well, they've got the high ground, which is just really cool. And seriously, though, like the reveal of the dinosaur walking on the platform in the fog is such great fun. I love that moment.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I um thought the Spinosaurus. So there were a few moments where I was like, eh, that, that didn't look very good. Mm-hmm. But most of it turned out really well. Um, I'm right with you when it comes to the head of that thing. It doesn't upstage Spielberg. Uh, no. But there are some moments where it works really well. A couple moments where I was like, eh, that's like, I don't know. It'd be like if a great sci-fi channel movie was released today is, is how it does But <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't quite get there, right? It's no. Because it always comes back to something awesome and amazing. Um, there are a couple moments where I was like, uh, I don't know. But uh, the pterodactyls, I'm with you. That was awesome. Uh, that's the scene that I told you about last week, Alex, that I remembered was that reveal from the mist of the pterodactyl. That's the one that always sticks in my mind when I think of this film. Me too. And it's just such a cool, just such a cool reveal. I love that. My next point here isn't really a praise or criticism, but I think this film flips the main ideas from the first movie around. Um, In Jurassic Park, the first one, we got this transition from awe and wonder to fear and terror. Here, as soon as we land on the island, We are confronted with fear and terror with the Spinosaurus and eventually move our way into awe and wonder with the river plain scene. Mm. It's a cool idea that I think both of these films reflect. The same object of your amazement can be the object of your horror from moment to moment. (laughs) Not that I think this movie necessarily delivers on that idea in a great way. Um, It doesn't for me. Again, my main problem just comes back to some of the writing choices. But what I'm trying to figure out is why I have more problems with the flaws in this film versus the flaws uh, that we both saw in the original Hmm. that we found charming. And, you know, the thing is, is I keep comparing this to the original, which is probably a compliment to this movie that I didn't give to The Lost World. Hmm. Interesting. Any final thoughts there, Alex?
1: No, no, I, I think you. I think you have interesting points. I don't. I don't think there's really much of an attempt at awe in this movie, for sure. I agree with you.
0: There's much um, of a, a what
1: an attempt at awe. Oh right, yeah, and giving you awe and more just the terror portion of it. But
0: it's more terror. It's more terror. Um, there's some moments, uh, but yeah, it's, it's mostly terror. Uh, but one thing that isn't quite as terror filled is Camp Cretaceous. And today on MVM Plus, we have got an Alex review of Camp Cretaceous season one and two, um, which is explicitly made for kids and maybe not implicitly made for kids. Like I kind of view aspects of this film. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there are violent parts in Jurassic Park three for sure, but I don't know. It's uh, something about it feels, it still feels blockbustery to me, but (laughs) That's not the point of this announcement, Alex. I'm excited to hear your solo review of Camp Cretaceous Season 1 and 2. Yeah, and now you're uh, watching it, so you're actually going to be able to... I'm watching it, so maybe if I finish this first season, I can jump on with you. We'll see. Uh, That would be a lot of fun. You can find that review over on patreon.com forward slash nvmpod, and you'll find that episode in our entire backlog of nvm+. Let's jump into our awards, though, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Compelling character award. Who do you have?
1: Udesky or Udesky. I thought, <laughs> you know, he comes off as this hard mercenary, pretty pre- predictable character. And then we get that turn where we realize he's just he's just a travel agent and over his head. And yeah. he's a pretty charming character who gets a very brutal end. Maybe one of the most brutal because he suffers quite a bit. Um, before he's, he's finally killed. So I gotta give it to you, Desky. He was uh, a pleasant surprise. I kind of forgot that his character had any depth whatsoever. So it was kind of nice to see that.
0: Yeah. Um, my character is Grant, um, Alan Grant. He has so much going on below the surface that we just don't even recognize. I think a lot of the time. Um, but we, mm-hmm. we recognize it actually that's the wrong way to say that we recognize it he just doesn't express it verbally he has a lot going on under the surface there's there's this face that he makes um, at certain moments and there's one moment in particular that stood out to me this time and it's it was when they're in the aviary and someone asks what is this place and the look mm-hmm. on Dr. Grant's face when he has the realization is one of awe and like excitement and thrill and terror <laughs> all at the same time yes. like it's an aviary and he's disturbed and yet he's thrilled at the exact same time um, yep. <laughs> and that's the tension that we see with dr. Grant throughout. We see that face that face is like a personification of his character and I absolutely love it because he has gone through a lot. there's a reason he legitimately doesn't want anything to do with these dinosaurs. And yet, deep down, he still does. He's drawn to that in which he is terrified of. It goes back to that terror and horror versus the awe and wonder idea, Mm. which are both combined in Dr. Alan Grant.
1: Yeah. Mm. I can't wait to see him again. Um, What about your most memorable line award, Eric?
0: Uh, So, my most memorable line (laughs) is just a silly line, uh, where Dr. Grant asks one of the one of the quote unquote henchmen that we find out aren't henchmen. How'd you how'd you all meet? And the guy says um, through our church, <laughs> and it was just ridiculous because. I, but then it turns out it could have been true. We don't know. Yeah, right? it turns like, out it might be more true than we thought. Yeah, exactly. At first you're like, uh, no, this guy's like a bad dude, and then you're like, oh well, maybe that was true, <laughs> and they just met through their church we don't know right yeah. and that that entire turn is pretty funny it, it's pretty goofy um I, I like the fact that this group of kind of nobodies just kidnaps grant it's it's funny <laughs> what about it you is. uh
1: yeah um mine is after eric saves uh dr grant they're talking and <laughs> he, he asks if eric read the Malcolm's book and and the kid responds he says a few lines. he says too much chaos everything's chaos (laughs) (laughs) I just like that one yeah yeah and and, and the look of the Grant's just like so satisfied
0: (laughs) yeah oh yeah for sure um what about your can't believe that acting award
1: I gotta give it to your your most compelling character I gotta give it to Sam Neill as Alan Grant for the same reasons you know he portrays... He's a, he's a pretty quiet character who portrays a lot of emotions and, like you said, the birdcage. When he realizes that they're in the birdcage. Yeah. he The look on his face is like... He's totally excited. And then to see him go from like, I don't want to be here to, oh, look at those beautiful dinosaurs underneath the plane. Like, he just conveys so much emotion. And then with Ellie... In those moments too. He just knocks it out of the park. He doesn't miss in this movie. So he gets my award.
0: Yeah. No. That's a great choice. (laughs) Uh, What about you? Honestly. Mine goes to William H. Macy. The legend. (laughs) As Paul Kirby. Uh, I have mixed thoughts about Paul Kirby as a character. Uh, It's clear what they're going to do with him from the beginning. Right? Like you know as soon as you've got this bumbling dad character. You know the family's gonna be all right, and you know that Paul Kirby bumbling dad is going to turn into Paul Kirby competent dad. And yet <laughs> I'm okay with it, right? Like uh he's he's a goofy actor in some senses and it's a goofy role, but he's pretty perfect for the part. So I've gotta give it to William H. Macy. Yeah,
1: yeah. He does a good job. Does a good job. What about your? That's a good shot award.
0: Uh, good shot award goes to uh, a shot from the aviary when the pterodactyl is chasing Billy in the uh like river right there. Oh, and it's yeah. a shot from behind, and it is pretty terrifying. <laughs> Theo was watching that shot uh, yesterday uh, when we were finishing up this movie. He was watching that and that was when it was like clicking he was like oh my goodness this is intense right uh, now <laughs> it's kind of undone at the end and this is another it thing does. that I'm like ah, why we Billy was gone and it's just you, you feels like you're pulling the rug out from the audience by revealing that he lives at the end like it's just too satisfying right um, yeah. and that's, that's just another way that's kind of like trying to satisfy too many Audiences, so that bothers me a little bit. I can understand Um, because uh, it doesn't bother me that a person lives. That's never the case. No message
1: received, Eric. Message
0: received, but it just bothers me when they pull the like they pull the rug out and then they reveal just so that like some people can feel more satisfied with the ending in some sense. Um, I don't know. Anyway,
1: that's fun. What about you? Uh yeah, mine was from the same, uh, the same set piece I guess, and it's the yeah. the, the, the reveal in the fog um, yeah. when he's on the bridge. It's just so it's so iconic to me. Actually, it's like you said, like we both remember this from seeing the movie, and it's the the image I think of whenever I think of this movie.
0: Yeah, for sure, it's great. What about your standout effect award, Alex?
1: uh yeah my standout effect award i gotta give it to the water spinosaurus there's a big sequence there where he's like trying to drown them or do something That's cool. try, i mean he's just trying to eat them but um i really like that whole set of moments especially there's some pretty cool shots actually where and it, it's more of a cg spino i guess but when macy is at the top um of the the crane and then there's the fire and the rain's coming down and the spinosaurus is like roaring. It's a really fun sequence and those effects like all special effects look even better at night. And so I just got to give my props out to him when he's in having his little uh water moment. I like the even though it doesn't quite probably make sense. I like <laughs> the um Jaws like a moment where you just see the fin yeah, above the it's water. Cool. It's mm-hmm. fun, but it's also like, I think he might be too big for that water, but I don't know for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what my standout you? effect is the Raptor animatronic. At least I, I think it's an animatronic. It I looks think it great. is too. Yeah. It looks great. Like whenever it's nudging up against, um, when it's nudging up against Amanda Kirby, uh, like and in the one of the final scenes, it looks so good. I'm like, wow, that thing looks real. Uh, yes. and it was another one of those kind of jaw dropping moments for Theo, um, as I was trying to convince him that they were real. <laughs> 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 I'm like, could something not real make her head move that way?
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and this is yeah, 2001, I, Eric. Oh, I know, I know.
0: Now. To be fair, I'm not a huge fan of the uh, like Mohawk Raptors. Like, I don't like that design as much. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, like with the little hair on their head.
1: Yeah, they're they're they're, they're just trying to lean into the what all the nerds want, and they want them to have all their feathers and all that weird stuff. But um, <laughs> these are dr- does these that are bother Jurassic you part? at
0: all, though? That in Doctor Grant's little um, <laughs> speaking dinosaur dream. He sees one with the the feathers on his head, but he's does, never seen one like that before in in that, his own does life. Does he?
1: Is that right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't believe you.
0: No. Yeah. Go look. Go look at the scene. I, sees I one am. With I am. The little Dr. feathers on his head. What was it? What was it? Doctor like, Grant.
1: Raptor. Dream. Of course. Blame. Of course. Doctor Grant. He's immersed. Oh, it does. It's got the little the little things on top. Yeah. Um. But of course, Doctor Grant studies these things. So he's yeah. probably going to have his own picture of them, even more so.
0: I think his picture of him is going to be pretty ingrained from what he experienced in in the in the first movie. You, we're not nerds, right though, Alex. We're not nerds. Let's. <laughs> yeah, we're not nerds. <laughs> we're not nerds. Let's we're let's keep nerds. moving. Like, who's going to debate something like that? I mean, not us. No, that's right. No. <laughs>
1: no, that's a nerd. That's a nerd talking point.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, unique awards. What do you have for your unique award, Alex?
1: Um. Yeah. This is a sad one. Okay. This is the poor one out for the Forgotten Homie Award. Oh, no. And this one goes to Ben Hildebrand, the man oh, that saved Eric and is quickly forgotten about and even True. dismissed by his girlfriend. The poor
0: man. <laughs> look, look, you are absolutely right about that one. I mean, that guy did save Eric, right? Yeah. And his, his reaction whenever he has to cut himself loose after everybody's been eaten out of his boat he's like everything's gonna be fine everything's gonna be fine Eric it's all good
1: yeah <laughs> He's yeah. so calm he's pretty calm I mean uh, and he 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 does it right I mean he saves them and then he gets eaten alive while hanging from a parachute and we're just gonna and she doesn't even care she doesn't no. even care she, he her ex-husband goes to comfort her and she even says, it's not Ben, it's Eric. And it's like, don't you care about him
0: at all? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs>
1: Maybe they hadn't been dating long, I guess. I don't know. Oh geez. Yeah. That's, that was, that was interesting. Yes, that's for a forgotten sure. homie. What about you?
0: Mine is the most ridiculous Eric accomplishment award. <laughs> and that is the T-Rex P. I mean, come on. That's a little silly. <laughs>
1: I wouldn't think it'd be that hard. You just wait for them to pee. I would imagine it's a lot of urine. Yeah. Um, now, people do do write. write in about this. It Do T-Rexes give out a lot of urine? And then would it be easy to scoop it up? I think it would be probably pretty easy, like swinging behind, scoop up a little pee. In,
0: maybe in a footprint or something?
1: Yeah, why not? I don't know. I want people yeah. to write in about how much T-Rexes pee, but don't write in about the other stuff.
0: Don't write don't write in about pterodactyls or anything like
1: yeah, that. yeah or the or the difference between them and pteranodons.
0: Just anything anything that can help prove me wrong and Alex right right write that in.
1: <laughs> oh, and these are pteranodons. So I'm sorry, everybody, if I said pterodactyl is the wrong thing. Okay. Fine, yeah. fine, fine. I, I, I gave someone in. Someone correct. Someone correct. that
0: fast, Alex. What did you say? Someone corrected you that fast that you had to actually <laughs> yeah, yeah, change. Yeah. Someone corrected me no. in the middle of the episode. I wow. decided
1: for the first time ever to do research. Wow! Oh man, there you go, everybody. Jurassic Part
0: Three. Look what it's doing to us.
1: MVM now hundred percent more researched.
0: Wow! 100%, wow! A hundred percent growth in our research for this episode. What's the next <laughs> episode going to bring? I do not know. <laughs> What about your final thoughts and
1: tiered rating, Alex? Yeah. Um, for me, this is, this is a blast of a movie. Uh, I have a really good time throughout. Even the moments that make me wince a little bit, they are so small and gone so quickly that they're quickly forgotten. And all the monster moments are exciting and thrilling, and I'm glad this t- movie does not waste my time. And Alan Grant... Is a joy. This is a Godzilla tier for me, mm.
0: and it's oh, above nice. the Lost World. Nice. All right. What about cool. you? Um, this is not a Godzilla tier for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, think this, so. is ga- this is a this a Gamma tier for me. Uh, and I, I think I probably would rate it right around the same as the Lost World. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I think it's about the same as the Lost World, honestly. Uh, because I do like the brisk runtime. I do have a lot of fun with this one. There's so much dinosaur content in it. Uh, really, <laughs> it's, it's from end to end pretty much. And yeah. I, I like that. I, I like its ambition. It, it tries to do a lot. I don't think the writing is very good. I think the script feels haphazard. And there's just so many things in it that make me doubt or question I get distracted by that. And and that doesn't happen usually for me. Like I can ignore a lot of plot holes and I can ignore a lot of small things. But for some reason, this film had one too many for me. And I think that, that detracted from my overall experience more than I wanted it to. Hmm. Um, with that said, I would watch it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would watch it again uh, pretty soon. I probably will now that Theo's on board and, and watching them with me. Uh, oh. I think I'd actually prefer re-watching this one again over The Lost World. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll probably check this one out again, though it is a Gamera tier for me. I'm looking forward to Jurassic World next week, though, Alex.
1: Oh, I can't wait, man. I haven't seen it since theaters, and I loved it in theaters. So I'm hoping it holds up like I remember.
0: Yeah.
1: Hold, holds uh, up. I, I say holds up like it's like an old movie. <laughs> but I, I hope it holds its place in my mind. Yeah. I guess. Yeah,
0: I understand. Uh, so let's see. In a Jurassic World, will we be hurled or will our toes be curled, Alex?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Um the Jurassic World stars Chris Pratt. Does he oh gosh, I can't say that on here. Um
0: <laughs> Um <let's> see <laughs> I don't even know what you're gonna say, but it makes me laugh, trying to imagine.
1: <laughs> um so yeah. So oh Oh, Jurassic World has a hybrid dinosaur. Will it soar high or will it make us cry?
0: Mm, there it we was, go, Alex. Man. Landed that one. Let's just say we landed it. Uh, much better than the landing in Jurassic Park 3. Uh, I, sure.
1: that, that landing put me in the state of Billy at the end of this movie. Just <laughs> <like>. <laughs>
0: Hey, look, at least he made it, right? You That's know what right. I'm saying? Like, I was worried about that guy. I was going to be so sad if he didn't make it. At least he made it. I can sleep well tonight knowing that he made it out alive. (laughs) As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. Uh, You can leave us our feedback on selected content at nvmpod.com or email us at nvmpod at gmail.com and we'll read that feedback on the show probably. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. Become a bargain baseman at patreon.com forward slash pod to receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join at this time, a review or share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms sublock B. Louis Loops. Senor Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't
1: forget about your eating alive boyfriend. And try, try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up,
0: wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Care about him at all? (laughs) Apparently not.
1: Yes, that's a forgotten homie.